Good evening, Patriots. And it is Friday again, <laughs> March 25th in the year 2022. I have to apologize. I'm like six minutes late, and I'm going to tell you why. I actually have a very good reason. I was watching one of the most awesome videos of Russian troops giving Ukrainian people food baskets. I'm telling you, it's, it was beautiful. I put it up in the Bards FM official family room. And it's just, it's just so simple and it's yet so endearing. I mean, troops just making sure every family is getting big boxes of food and bread and water and noodles and stuff like this. I mean, it just, it's, I think in this time when we just have so much, I mean, seriously, so much crap going on and we have a government that is so despicable, every one of them. When you see that, and it's really what you would expect an army to do for the people, and it really is an army of the people. It was just really beautiful to see. So apologies for being late, but it was worth a few minutes, and it's up there. It's like a 30, 40-second piece or something like that. It's in Bart's family room. Hey, before we begin tonight, do take care of your health, seriously. Take real good care of your health right now. There's a lot of stress going on, and... There's two product lines I, I talk about every night, and one is my pillow, and that's MyPillow.com. Your promo code there is BARDS, you know that. And the other is Expedition Coffee, and you can get that at Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com, and all the line of products there. I'm very, very sincere when I say this. These two things I use as my baseline to keep healthy. I have them here because I believe in them, and I'm, whatever you're, thing is you do just make sure you're getting good sleep and you're getting good supplements and boosts in your day i know that my pillow products are truly my favorite products because it's made a difference in my sleep and i know that expedition coffee and the products that go with that the gut health triad the pure 47 the uh, which is an is the silver extract the uh, immune xp which is the immune booster and the earth product. And, and I know that there's some of this is out of stock right now. It's coming back in very soon, but all of those products I use every day have used them every day since last summer and they've made a difference. So I'm just saying that, and I, I'm encouraging you, whatever you are doing to make sure that you are getting good sleep, getting some exercise, making sure you're, you're eating well, and making sure that you have good supplements in your life because those things right now are so important. There is just so many things that they're trying to do in their scorched earth exit from this planet that they're going to try to damage as many people as possible. So check it out. You can, If you want to see those products, all the links are below the podcast. Are below the podcast. Well, Joe Biden joined the troops for pizza today. We're so excited. They didn't even stand for him. In a very interesting analysis, Ukrainian <clears throat> Nazis have been taking the top three stories, essentially, of the apartment buildings and putting in artillery and their troops, and they've been keeping the civilians on the bottom two floors or three floors and trying to use civilians as a human shield 
so that they, to encourage the Russians to try to blow up these buildings and destroy c- uh, civilians. It's the Azov Battalion, probably others too. They're all Nazis. Um, what's very interesting is in some photo analysis that's come out, the Russians have very strategically and very selectively wiped out the top three floors and kept all the civilians safe. And what's even more interesting is a lot of that was being run apparently by Chechnyan units working for Putin. Very interesting developments. The story just is not what we're being told, and we know that. But it's definitely worth remembering because there's so much... um, There's so much craziness going on and the media is trying so hard, even in the social media side, they're trying so hard to show the insanity of of things. There's definitely some panic going on around the world. One of the reasons it's so important to be prepared and to be vigilant about what's going on. I I want to read through tonight Nehemiah 4, and focus in on 4.11 on down to 23. There's a, there's a message in this that I think is very important to grasp. And that is, it's the rebuilding while being vigilant. There is no question right now that we should, in my opinion, and begin a rebuilding process, a direction that we want to go. And we're going to do that by making sure our own homes are secure, our own lives are secure, and we're able to, to start looking outward in our neighborhoods and knowing that we're going to have to be there for people and anticipating that a bit. Also talking to people and building that up because that's the initial phases of rebuilding is fellowship and communication. So I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm going to read a little bit out of Nehemiah in a little bit, but I'm going to begin with something that's very fundamental to me And a good friend of mine today talked to me and reminded me that it may not always be fundamental to other people. And so I'm just going to share some stories a little bit tonight uh, from Afghanistan. And I just kind of want to, um, maybe there's something in here that's good for you. One of the big things I did in Afghanistan was just meet with people. Um, From a military point of view, that's called engagement. For me, it's just called meeting people and eating lots of goat and rice. But it's native to me, and it's it's native to me to meet. A matter of fact, it's probably easier for me to meet strangers in other countries than it is here. I don't know why that is, but I mean, I have a pretty easy time meeting people in general. But I really enjoy meeting people from other cultures, and part of that is I'm very intrigued by their stories. So I like to listen closely, and I like to be very engaged in the conversations, and I like to ask engaging questions that sometimes are challenging, but it brings for good discussion. I always feel that even when you're meeting somebody of a hostile intent, like a Taliban, that there is a reason that they are who they are. And there are some real dirt bags, so don't get me wrong. Okay. There's some people that absolutely 100% deserve a dirt nap when they get one. But there are a lot of people out here that just have a different way of seeing the world. And that has been one of my most amazing journeys and one of the greatest gifts God's given me is just to appreciate 
the uniqueness that we are and how this we can see the world very differently and still be able to talk about it. I've told you this before, and, and this is not new, but I mean, I've, I have sat with Taliban and I've had conversations with them. And in spite of what the media tries to tell you, that they're going to kidnap you and cut your head off and stick you on a spike, that's not exactly the way it works out. There is a, a very different view from their perspectives. It's fairly fundamentalist in, in a Muslim sense. And it's a place where we could talk about a lot of things. And we, don't, we never talked a lot about religion and faith, but we definitely did talk about issues. And how I got to these places was just by talking to people and saying what I wanted to do. I wanted to go meet these people. And what I found is very interesting is when you extend the hand to listen to somebody and say you want to hear their story, not preach to them, not come in and tell them what they're doing wrong, and you're willing to strip away like your soldier stuff, and which I did. I'd wear Afghan. I have some pretty neat pictures of myself that are all dressed like a Pashtun. I um, dress like local dress. And you're willing to eat the food. And this is the thing that is big is breaking bread. And I've talked a lot about that. And we hear that term, but I don't think it's appreciated in our culture as much as it is in others, especially older cultures. And Afghanistan is a place where literally, literally breaking the bread means something. It's a very old world. And I've eaten a lot of crazy food. And I've made sure that I do eat it. And that's a big thing because a lot of the biggest mistake that I've seen that people make in doing engagements is that they would not want to eat the food. They, would, they were so programmed to believe that they were going to get poisoned or they were going to get sick. And I'm not exaggerating. Soldiers would come up and be like, no way, man. I'm not eating that. I'm going to get sick. And they'd go back and eat their nasty MREs. And I would have a wonderful, hot, fresh plate of rice and wonderfully cooked goat and some amazing non, and I was happy. It was good, and it was hot non. And so it's important to really take time to listen. And when we listen intimately and we share in what is offered, and, you know, there was one time when we were at a, and it struck me because we went to a very, very poor village. And I, I was observing what was going on and they had, they brought out tea. But the candies, all they had were like these old little candies. That's all they had to offer. And yet, because we were guests, that's exactly what they brought out. The, they didn't have much at all. It was like this little scrap pieces of candy. And it was pretty pretty impoverished, but yet they found something to share. Obviously, when you're in these environments, you have to be aware. And you don't just go in boldly and be stupid. But there's a fine line between being aware and being paranoid or being non-trusting. One of the biggest things that I found in Afghanistan is the success of these meetings was based on a couple of things. My willingness, like I said, to hear their stories. My willingness to 
ask questions and be engaged with their stories. My willingness to trust the bread and the tea or whatever that their serving of food and tea or whatever it was before me to their offering of gift of food, to trust in that and to consume it with them. And my willingness just to set aside my, I, I would never go in with body armor, for example. And I just, I just trusted the moment. A lot of that is putting trust in God too. And because Afghanistan is a very religious country. Now it's Muslim. Yes. But I said this the other day and I wasn't kidding. Even the people that are impoverished still pray five times a day. When you respect that, it's a really big thing. And then the other part is just being respectful of the environment. So here's a simple one. It's a simple one, but a big one. One of the courtesies in Afghanistan is you always take your shoes off in entering the home. And it's more than a courtesy. It's actually functional. They don't have vacuums. They have rugs. So in order to clean a rug, you have to take it out back. Well, I don't. It's the wife that takes it out back, and she has to beat it old way, beat it with like one of these big round, I don't know, like a rug beater, whatever that is, like a big flat fly, fly swatter sort of thing. And they, they beat it and beat it, sometimes just with a stick, and they have to knock all the dust out of it to get it clean. And once in a while, they'll wash them, but these rugs that they have will last them a lifetime. And if you, and these rugs are beautifully done and many, there are some amazing Afghan rug makers, different styles from Herat in the West to Kunduz in the North. Jalalabad has its own style that's in the East, different styles of rugs. And so they would have a rug and these rugs, sometimes these rugs would even be passed down. So they're they are something that was their floor covering for whoever they were. So part of taking off your shoes is respect that you're not going to bring in unnecessary dirt into the home. So I observed, I watched what they did, and I would take my shoes off always when I came into the home so that I would, and then they would provide, always have slippers for you to wear. And I would wear the slippers. So I had a meeting. It was actually in Kabul. And I had invited in a team of special operations guys. They were friends of mine. the good guys. And I told them not to come in in military uniforms. Which they didn't listen. And they came in with body armor and military uniforms. And I'm like, ugh. And this was not a good thing to do in the neighborhood that we were in. And it's not that people don't like Americans. They just don't want a lot of attention in this way. It's kind of like your own house, if you think about it. You know, your, your neighbors are always going to talk if two sheriff's cars pull up outside and four sheriffs jump out and come walking into your home. You're going to be like, what's going on? It is, is he one of them? Is he an anti-vaxxer? Have they come to take him to a FEMA camp? I mean, that's, you know, the chatter is going to start. And so I asked the guys not to wear military uniforms. Of course they did. I'm shaking my head. So they come into the house and they just walked right in and didn't take off their shoes. And this, the 
the man of the house, a good friend of mine. I, I, I came to, he came to be a very good friend of mine. He's in the United States now. And I asked him, I said, well, after it was later after they left. And I said, why didn't you ask my, why didn't you tell the Americans who were with me to take off their shoes? He says, I can't. I said, why can't you? He said, because they're guests and we can't ask a guest. And I understood this. This is a code in Afghanistan. It has to do with the Pashtun Wali code, which comes to this line of the Pashtuns. And the Pashtun Wali code is that a guest is a gift from God. It's a blessing from God to have a guest. So you can't ask the guest to comply to your certain house rules because God has sent that guest. That's how they see this in simple terms. And yet, because at this point we had been in Afghanistan nine years, this was 2010, we had been there nine years, there's another little thing that you get caught in, which is there's an expectation in the Afghan culture that after you've been there, and it's, it's around three years, after you have been there for about three years, they assume it's not just a, it's an expectation that you understand the rules of the culture because you're no longer a liberator. You're now an occupier defending the culture. And we were no longer liberators. We were occupiers. And that doesn't matter to the fact that we're rolling troops through every three months, nine months, 15 months. The fact is they're all for them, it's all Americans and you've been here long enough. You should know the rules. So here's kind of the violation that happens. The Americans walk in and the owner sees that they have the shoes on and he can't ask them to take off their shoes, but it's very disrespectful. And they come in and at the same time, the expectation is that they're supposed to know the custom by this point in time, which they may or may not have, but the guys that I had asked to come over didn't care. Well, that's kind of a bad combination. So after they left, we, he and I sat down and had a conversation because this is always what I would do is whenever I saw something, I would just ask questions and asking questions about a culture. People are interested. They become interested that you're interested in them. And I would, I still, I do this with everybody, even to this day. I mean, I'm curious about things. I want to know why you do things. I want to know why you think about things. I mean, I literally had a conversation this morning. It's like, I'm really trying to get into the head of what causes some dude to want to whack off his weenie to become a, a woman. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm just like, it's, it's just crazy thought to me, but it's like, what in the heck goes into their head? So anyway, we didn't have any of that going on in Afghanistan. No weenie whackers. So the, um, we, we end up in this, in this conversation and I, and I said, okay, so explain to me. And he says, you know, well, they're my guests. I can't ask them. I said, yes, but it's your home and they're tracking in dirt. He says, that's, he says, yes, I know. He says, and unfortunately my wife is going to have to clean the rugs now. <laughs> and this is where you have to kind of use some deduction. I did a lot of this. I mean, I'm just kind of like, oh, well, that can't be good. I said, I have this feeling your wife's not going to be very happy about that. He says, no, she's not very happy. I said, and so let me take a guess. I said, you can't invite them back to your home. He's, he's kind of smiled. He says, no, I can't have them back in the home. Now, they won't tell you that. No, they're not going to tell you that. They're going to expect that you know that. 
or you're going to have to ask questions to learn. And that's the whole kind of the whole point here is that when we're engaging with people, if it's your neighbor, if it's the gas station attendant, if it's whoever it is, we should having a conversation about people is important. Asking somebody how how their family is or how work is going and getting beyond work, like, you know, talk to the mechanic, ask him how he likes his car. What's he doing? What's he do outside of being a mechanic? Get to these sorts of things become very personal and each culture has their own thing that people like to talk about. I happen to know that around my area, a lot of people like to talk about hunting. When the guy came to survey the house, here's a guy that I had never met. And I'm, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really tell his personality was a little different. He ends up being the nicest guy in the world. I've never met him. And he's the owner of the company. He's been doing this. Come to find out for his whole life, he bought the company from someone else here in town. And we started talking about hunting. And, he, man, I learned more about a couple of the areas in hunting that I, than I had never known. And all that came from just a simple conversation that we, t- we didn't talk about surveys. And, right, the survey got done super fast and really well. And we talked about hunting. It's just, to me, it's, this is so important. And we, when, I, when you hear me talk about engagement and the importance of it, engaging with people, it's not just saying hello. It's having a real conversation. I don't think we think much about it when we're talking with friends, but when you're talking with strangers, it's a big deal. And we're trying to get a little bit into people's lives because that's how we break down barriers. And we don't have to be probing and snooping like, uh, how many kids do you have? And uh, where are they today? And are they at school? Are they supervised? Uh, you know, like That's going to start creeping some people out. It, it would creep me out. I'd be like, uh, and who are you? Like, Do you work for the CIA? Are you part of one of those uh, family services people that want to snag my kids and turn them into human sex trafficking? I mean, that's so there has to be some common sense that goes on here. A word, a phrase that it, unfortunately as we all know, has become less common and less sense over the last 10 years. But the engagement principle is fundamental to our walk in Christ. And it doesn't have to be walking in with the Bible and proselytizing. It doesn't have to be, I'm here to save you. It's honestly just that conversation to have with somebody knowing that you're with God. You have an intimate relationship with God. And God is literally going to do some work with it as well. He's there too. And as we bring the two together, there's some pretty amazing things that happen. It's like the story I told, I guess I told it yesterday, and the story about our new the account manager for the clothing line that we're bringing on, the and that's Bayside. You know, and I just mentioned that the... We were talking about the podcast and I made the comment, it has grown massively. It's been, it's been a blessing. And right away, it's like, then, you know, we're of the same faith. I'll pray for you. We had a good conversation. And I think a lot of it is just getting to know people. And I, I know for some, it may seem like, dude, why are you even sharing this? Well, because I will tell you when I look around our world and I know the places that I've been and I've known the difficult people that I've talked to, and even in this own, in this country where I've I've made relationships with some gangbangers and 
made a relationship with some pretty rough people that pretty much everybody has an interest in the end of the day of being heard, of having their stories heard, and not wanting to be judged. And I think that that fundamental piece is missing a lot in what we're doing. And in the time that we're heading in, where this time we're heading into right now is going to be very challenging. I, I would like to think that it would all go real easily. But there's going to be some real challenges. When I see that video, like I talked about at the beginning, of the Russian troops handing out boxes of food, I mean, that it really moves me. I'm not kidding. Just to see that simple act of kindness and very beautifully laid out boxes. It was You could tell that the boxes were put together with a lot of love. The loaves of bread were fresh. Not, not like Williams or whatever we have here. I mean, it's like fresh loaves of bread and nicely organized boxes in each one. And it's the, whatever their Z battalion is over there that they're doing it. That's what is doing it right now. Or at least that's what the photos were from. And the soldiers were just, there's a caring of the soldiers. They weren't throwing stuff at people. They're helping them load, making sure that the, there's a young boy making sure that he had an extra bottle of water. Those acts of kindness, we need a lot more of. We need a whole bunch more of that. We need to start really paying attention to ourselves. And to, I mean, I say that to each other. And the only way we're going to get there is through some real good engagement. And that's, I think it's not that difficult, but I don't think we put enough emphasis on it. I live in a neighborhood where most everybody in this, at least within a distance, knows each other. And that's good. And that can be expanded. And we and it's there's a lot of effort going into goes into making sure that continues. We've got one family that I've <laughs> I've got marked on my turd list because they've put a BLM rainbow flag in their window around the corner and I'll let that one go. And they keep their house and it looks like shit, frankly. But that doesn't surprise me in a very nice neighborhood. And so, you know, but again, I don't know what that looks like. If I needed to, and I may need to, I will make an engagement there as I had done with Taliban. And it will be there to open that door, to make an offering to bridge differences. That time hasn't come yet, but it's a heck of a lot better than having to go to war. And there's your bottom line. When things start to unravel and things start to get desperate, if you don't have relationships with people, and remember, Afghanistan is a place that there was a lot of desperation, and I got to see it firsthand. There was a piece that I did, and it was heartbreaking. And this piece ended up going up, and this was Obama was president. It was actually sent to his office, and I did, and it was flown there from Afghanistan directly to his office, something that I've, some filming that I did. And what it was, was we were on, I was with a special forces team down south in the Arkandab Valley. And there was a night raid that had been done the night before by a ground branch and a CIA team. Ground branch is the, they go by GB. Ground branch is the uh, military, military wing of the CIA. A lot of the guys come from prior special, special operations and they're usually 
contracted through or were contracted through Blackwater. So they came in the night before, and the Special Forces base camp was in the village, and right, literally this thing happened right behind them. At the middle of the night, they were not informed. The CIA came in. They did a rappel down. They grabbed two of the sons of the family, and they pulled out, and they threw them in jail and whatever else they were going to do with them. So this was about a week later. We did a patrol into that part of the village, and I managed to have a, engage in a conversation engage in a conversation with an old man, and it turned out to be the father of the sons, and he was missing a leg, or at least crippled. I'm, I may be confusing two different people, but he was at least crippled. He was hardly able to walk. He could no longer work. And the story was a very important story for what we were trying to accomplish there, which is to creating stability and looking at the consequences of the methods of this kind of brutal way in which we did business. And here's, here is the outcome, of, I mean, what we caught from that. And it was a heartbreaking story. The man broke down on, I talked to him. And remember, I was often engaging people with a camera running. So you have to build a lot of confidence with people when you're doing that. And he broke down in tears. And he started to explain that, and I, I mean, I can still see it in my head. His jaw was shaking and, and he was just saying, it's like, I don't, I don't have any way of earning, of living anymore. We can't, we have no way of having food. My, my wife is old and sick. I, I'm broken. My two sons had been raising, had been feeding us. And now we're going to end up homeless. So homeless in Afghanistan is destitute. There's, there's no social services. You're begging. And I don't know. And it's hard to say whether the village would actually take care of them or not. Now there's, you know, there's always this other side you're going to hear in the military. It's like, well, his sons were dirtbags. Actually they weren't. They were like, couple guys that had got it messed up in some bad dealings they weren't that they weren't a threat but that's kind of how war works is the way these types of wars work is there's always you know there's always these operations to snag everybody but again it's important that we had the engagement because that engagement was very fundamental in helping shape and I got it on film was very it, it was an important component in helping shape an understanding of what the special forces teams were doing Again, though, listening to their story and taking time to listen and ask the pertinent questions, not fake. It's legitimate. You have to feel it from the heart. And I think when we're truly coming from the heart, we're there. So let me read a little bit from, and this will tie back together. I'm going to read a little bit here as we close with Nehemiah 4, 11. Our enemies said they will not know or see until we come along among them kill them and put a stop to the work. When the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times, they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places. And I stationed the people in the families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not, be, do not be afraid of them. Remember, the Lord is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Now, right there, there's just a couple of things that just always jump out at me when I read this, because right there we have the 
obviously there's concern. There's, there's true legitimacy of the message, and that message is taken in. But there's a realness here in the communication between one another and the responsibility to be vigilant. Now, in all the engagement I've talked to you about, I've also said one has to be vigilant. You can't just walk, like, oh, I'm just going to go walking into MS-13 and see how things are going to go. I don't think that's going to go real well. And, oh, I'm going to walk into a Hell's Angels den and see how that works. Probably not going to work real well. I got to places because I made linkages, spent time making connections, spent a lot of time talking to people to build trust and to build a network so that I could get to places. And, I, and that's something just to keep in mind. And we have to do that in our own communities because in the end of the day, our community should be vigilant like this, especially as we look at the crisis with kids and all that's been going on. But arguably, I don't think in COVID, we've done a very good job of breaking down the barriers. I think of anything in COVID because we were so compliant in one way or another, to these dumb rules, we've actually separated ourselves quite a bit from each other. So we have to build trust again. So continuing. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held the spears the shields, the bows, and the breastplates, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. Now, this is scripture. I just want to be clear about this. This isn't like reading Tom Clancy's novel, okay? As for the builders, each wore his sword girded to his side as he built, while the trumpeter stood near me, I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. You see, as we build the relationships in our communities, we're also going to be in the place to come together to defend our communities if need be. And really defending isn't about a future point. It should be now. When we look at all the, the threats, I mean, right, there's many right now. We have roaming thieves. We have gas stealing going on. And we have these predatorial child snatchers that are out here. And our police forces, some in places are great, other places are not, they're broken. But either way, our police forces are reactive, not proactive. A great part of building the relationship through engagement is to have the trust in one another that we're going to have eyes on situations. And as a neighborhood, like Neighborhood Watch or other things, once you've established the trust with people and, the, and that comes through a solid form of engagement and, and continued building of trust, then we're able to have communities that are starting to look out for one another. And that isn't like redefining communities. We don't need big brother in our backyard. It can go away. But what we do need is more of the community looking out for each other. And that's where you build the fundamental issues of a good defense. 
So in some of all this, in all these meetings, and I didn't mention this, but I'm going back to this piece and I'm going to close with this. Every meeting I went into, I never wore body armor. I never carried a long gun. But every meeting in the back, small of my back, I always carried a nine millimeter. Now, by the rules of Afghanistan, some would say that that was a violation of trust because I wasn't supposed to be armed. But at the same time, I'm still in hostile territory. And I want to be clear about that. I'm still in hostile territory. So I'm not being foolish. And this is where I go to this in Scripture because there is a real sense of people saying, well, we just need to love everybody. Yes, you need to love as God loves, it's an infinite love, but we're still dealing with men and we're dealing in a lot of turmoil and chaos. In this story here, the communities have come together. This group has come together to rebuild the wall. And even then, those that are carrying their loads, one hand is on their work and one hand is on the hilt of the sword. That's the vigilance part. That's the part of being aware. And it's the part of coming together in a full unity and commitment to working together to build something great. But also understanding that we have to also stand together in this threat. So we begin with a fundamental issue of engagement. To rebuild the bridges, to build the bridges and rebuild the bridges in our, in our communities. Some communities are farther along than others. And as we build that trust, then we're starting to talk about going forward and what's going to be the rebuilding. What is that going to look like? What are we going to do when, if food is short? What are we going to do if water becomes short? Who can we rely on? How can we work together? How can we build out gardens together? Who has extra tools that can help somebody? I'm, those are just things to think about. Who has extra seeds? But all of that that we do then has to be protected. Because at certain point, especially when you get into these points of potential desperation that we could be looking at, I'm not saying definitely, there's going to be predatorial issues of people wanting to take from one another. We don't need our communities trying to steal from one another. We need our communities standing together, looking outward, and protecting from that which is roaming and and a moving threat. So, in sum... Take time to know your neighbor. Take time to respect and love your neighbor. And use that as a foundation with a direction of where we're going to be able to work towards a sense where the community begins to work as a fellowship, caring and looking out for one another and supporting one another and taking on the common defense of one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening and these scriptural words that just remind us of the importance of being vigilant. Jesus, as we sit here tonight, just walk with us and hear us. These are difficult times and these are challenging times in many, many ways as we're trying to build the bridge and defend the bridge. Our trust is with you. 
And, and God, our trust is with you 100%. We also have dominion over evil. And while we don't seek a fight by any means, we do need to be vigilant. So we ask that you'll guide us in these times to help us build our communities, rebuild our relationships, forge new ones, build strength in these relationships, and do so that we're so that we're working together to look out for each other and to protect the common good. Let us learn from Nehemiah 4 and let us remember that we're in a time now when we must keep one hand on our work and one hand on the hilt to the sword. Guide us in these times, Father, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. The more that we put in that work now, the easier it's going to be when things, if and when things begin to unravel. I guess it should be if or when, but it's hard to say. I don't know. You know, I say this all along. I don't have a crystal ball and I don't have a palantir stone from Lord of the Rings. And I also said it'd be pretty cool if I did have one because it'd be pretty awesome. But I don't. And none of us do. And we're relying a lot on where Father is guiding us. And what I can say is, that, you know, for my own sake, that's a constant. I, I've never been drawn to, like, building an armory with bunkers and a machine gun nests on the house. But being of common sense, it's probably a good idea for everyone to be aware of the defense of your home, be vigilant about it, and try to get involved with your neighbors so that you're not an island, but rather that we're a community. Just saying. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. A lot of prayers right now for discernment, and I think it would be wise to be asking Father where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will win. Yet we have a mission here in this time and in this place for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. I'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And after now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something to pull us up to level ground Oh I can see it now, I can see it now Keep up.
sets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Thank、you.